You're listening to the Community Call Podcast with host Murray Raleigh Jr. on Anchor.fm. Hello, folks. This is the Community Call Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Murray Raleigh Jr. We're back for another rousing episode of the Community Call Podcast. And I'll tell you what, it has been an interesting week already. We have made it to another day through another day of the coronavirus situation. And I'll tell you what, guys, uh, very, very disturbing numbers. We have eclipsed the million mark here in the U.S., one million confirmed cases of the coronavirus in the United States of America. Um, we are we are plus 24,000 cases already in the country. Globally, we are at 3 million cases already. Uh, confirmed cases, 74,583,000 people are confirmed. It's a lot of numbers. The numbers are continuing to grow especially here in the United States and globally as well. The numbers are, are, are going back and forth a little bit. It's hard to tell um, uh, how the numbers are. Um, in the news, in COVID-19 news, we have the U.S. economy shrinks to 4.8% in the first quarter, um, the biggest uh, contraction since 2008. Wow, does that has a ring to it, does it? has a ring to it, has a ring to it already. Boeing says it will lay off 10% of its employees after posting first quarter losses. This is due into effect of why we are where we are now, um, brought on by the pandemic, I'm, I'm assuming. Um, New York Governor uh, Andrew Cuomo said he will allow elective surgeries to resume in 35 of the state's 62 counties. That's big news for a lot of people who may need surgery at this moment. Uh, and uh, I'm thinking that uh, with the gradual move to some normalcy, having the surgeries are moving into some normalcy already. Um, we're going to bring the guys in. We have Michael in with us tonight. We have the Legal Eagle with us here tonight, Bill. And we're going to bring those guys in. Good evening, Michael. Good evening, my friends. How are Good you? Good Wonderful. Good evening, Bill. How you doing, sir? Glad to have you back. I'm doing fine. How are you? Everything's well. Doing wonderful. Doing wonderful. Guys, the COVID numbers are continuing to fluctuate. We have some numbers that are increasing in the country. Uh, what are you thinking? 24,000 plus new cases of the COVID virus in, in the country right now. How do you feel about it? It ain't over. It's It's ongoing. The, the idea that we're going to resume operations without a better plan is a ticket to a disaster. Yes. If it gets into into the senior villages of Florida, mm -hmm. it's going to be devastating. George is asking for it. Yeah. And, and, and it, it's hitting the black community, and, I, and it hits the areas of the financially oppressed, the economically oppressed. All right. Yes. It's hitting the black communities for their various uh, for the various uh, ailments and diseases and, and maladies that they suffer. It's going to hit eastern Kentucky, where I'm from, Appalachia, the coal mining communities, where where poverty is as as imposed a number of conditions on them by virtue of the inability to maintain a healthy diet. In eastern Kentucky, like inner city neighborhoods, you've got diabetes, you've got COPD, you've got uh, um, uh, any number of maladies, 
in eastern Kentucky, you also have black lung, and it's going to go through those individuals. Once it gets in there, it's going to go in there hard. And in rural communities like those, with no medical facilities, the deaths are going to be many. Um, I, uh, I, I think there's going to be a second wave. I think this is going to continue. I think there, and don't get me wrong, nobody's more frustrated than I am that I can't oh. maintain my business. They've closed courts here. I'm an attorney. They've closed courts here through the end of May. I've got things I can't do. I've got income and a living I can't earn. But, you know, um, I've got a family I've sent away three hours from me to maintain their isolation because yeah. I'm worried about them. And yeah. I don't think that we, we've got people out there, and I'm sure I don't know about your, your states, but here we have uh, we have, we have a category of people I call damn fools that are <laughs> going to the capitals and 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 protesting, saying that their liberty is being denied them to be damn fools because they want to yeah. be free. And you know how I spell their type of freedom? The the, the second syllable is spelled D U M B. They go there. They 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 don't do the social distancing. They don't take care. They want to go home. They want to go to their churches, and they want to die, apparently. And I don't care if Darwin applies to them. I just don't want to be collateral Darwinized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, because of everything that's happening right now. Well, I'm here in South Carolina where Governor McMaster is opening up things uh, and urging a urging people to, to get back to some normalcy here. Uh, we are going through a gradual open in some areas. I know that the Myrtle Beach area, which is a very popular area for people to go to here in the state, and that area is somewhat open. The mayors have control of whether or not they're going to let folks come to the beaches. Um, But I got a feeling that folks are hitting the beaches already. Um, Here in particular in the state, we have such a lackluster approach to this because people are not paying attention to the social distance thing either because of it hasn't hit them yet that's the attitude they have they tend to congregate a little more than normal um, you see a lot of folks without mask on gloves on etc etc here um, very disturbed by that um, we had a number of cases break out in and uh, senior facilities here, uh, they are trying to get a handle on that in certain areas um, with senior facilities. I know senior facilities are having to be tested individually, and I think that's going to happen to some degree, um, but it hasn't been happening to in, in, in such a level where there uh, is a difference at this moment, right, at, at, at this time, I think, and that's where we are with it. Michael? Um, you're in New York. Governor Cuomo is doing some things. How do you feel about things there? Uh, we talked briefly a little bit today, and uh, how, how do you feel about things? I would say that right now it seems we only have one, that is one voice of reason in this nation, and that is Governor Andrew Cuomo, who's Adam, who is advocating more and more for testing. He says, we cannot make any determinations as to where we go from here until we have testing, until we have facts, facts that show where we are level-wise and we're still trying to flatten this curve. He keeps 
um, reminding everybody that we're all in this together. You're saying that um, that some people haven't been hit yet in the way everybody has been hit, directly or indirectly. If you if it's indirectly, you would prefer it's indirectly because of the social distancing, but I'm sure you folks don't want to experience anything with the COVID-19 symptoms. Thank God I haven't gone through it. I know some people that have gone through it and are still recovering. And, yes, yeah. we lost some people here in New York. We are the hardest-hit um, state. And if, there's, if you can't listen to anybody here in the nation, perhaps you should listen to someone overseas, that being the prime minister of England, who himself was a COVID-19 patient, who himself had the same callous attitude as Trump and these Republicans forever have, and thinking it was a hoax, it was a hoax. And then he wound up suffering from it. He miraculously um, overcame it. Congratulations to him. You know, we only want to wish the best for everybody, no matter who you are. And then he just, um, I think, had a baby um, this, earlier today that his, um, earlier today, yeah, his wife, exactly. yes, yeah, healthy baby, healthy baby, mother and the baby are doing fine, thank heaven. So it was a happy ending to, um, to wrap that up. And, but then now the prime minister is dedicated and devoted even more to saving lives. He made a complete 180 and turned over a new leaf when it comes to the care, the health, and the safety of the people. So he might be a role model to look at overseas the same way Governor Cuomo is a role model here in the nation, someone in which Trump and these Republicans will never, ever match up to. And I got to say also, I applaud him. I give him a standing ovation for the way he not only laid the smackdown on Trump, but also did, and I'm using figurative speaking, ladies and gentlemen, when I say smackdown, I mean giving tough love and just hitting them with facts and debunking the BS. He did it towards Trump. He especially did it towards Senator Mitch McConnell and Senator Rick Scott for them wanting to play political theater and then wanting to deny help to the blue states. But then all the while, New York has always been bailing out the red states. He laid the facts down today. Wrong time to be playing politics in a time like this. I don't know why these folks continue to act like they don't have common sense. It it, it behooves me that these gentlemen continue to play political football in a time like when people are dying and suffering. If anything, they need to have some sort of spine. Um, I don't know why they don't have a spine when it comes to things, but they tend to think of the economy more than they think of the American people. To me, we're talking about what's going profit on with over people. Oh, yeah, profit over people. Exactly. You talk about Boeing. Yes, I feel for them right now. They're going to lay off 10 percent of their workforce. Um, 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 I am a dislocated worker myself because of covid um, we have been out of work for 40 days now. Um, this has not been easy at all because of everything that has, that has transpired since the time that I left work up until this moment. Um, it's very unique to hear. 
our governor talk about going back to normalcy by by giving opportunity to small businesses to get back to some normalcy without putting in parameters to make sure people are protected. I'm thinking that they are doing that. They've, they've said they're going to be doing that in, in the near future. We will see, which is very impactful, I think, on, on certain levels. Bill, how do you feel about where the where the economy is at this moment? The, the airline industry is taking a hit right now. Nobody's flying anywhere at the moment. And so uh, the economy is taking a hit there. The economy is taking a hit in other places. Uh, the economy that Barack Obama built in, uh, from the time that he was a two-term president is is all but evaporated right now. So how do you feel about that? Well, actually, I feel that the Obama economy was built upon a solid foundation. I mean, he, he took a what was in 2009, they took office about 7,800 and built it to about 19,000 as to the Dow. People were working. Things were improving. Uh, it was it was a decent, solid economy. Mm-hmm. Trump took it and, and blew it up in terms of he used every counter-recession tool, low interest rates, uh, tax cuts for the wealthy, to increase the Dow. All right, the Dow grew to, what, about 29,000, about 10,000-point increase. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, here's the kicker. It was not a solid built structure. It was built upon sand. And now we're down to – we got down to about 19. Now it's about 24. Now here's the kicker that really gets to me. The Dow was at over 24,000 today. We've got about almost 30 million people without a job. Those 30 yeah. million people for the last three years have been pointing, look at the Dow, and that's why I got a job. Well, baby, that Dow's going on without you, and you don't have a job. So you're, you're, the disconnect here is the Dow, you're unemployed. Figure out that you're not the one reaping the rewards of a Dow that is at 24000 You are a disposable com- commodity. Labor is disposable, truly. Yeah. That, yes. I find that to be totally reprehensible. Um, capitalism, don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm in it for the money, okay? Capitalism. Oh, but I also oh, recognize the flaws. That's right. Exactly. But I also recognize the disconnect and the flaws in the system that creates this disparity. And, and I'm not looking for equality, but I'm not looking for a rigged game that puts the 1% in a position to screw over the rest of us when you've got three people in this country that own more than over half the rest of the nation there's something wrong with that it um, sure is it the, sure is the, the gdp the gdp suffered the, in the first quarter and it was down quite a bit before the shutdown okay so the trump economy is a, an illusion delusion it, it, <laughs> it wasn't it was it was it was a, uh, it was about a mile wide and a quarter inch deep at best. Now, is it going to come back? If it comes back, we're going to have to have some governmental involvement that actually helps build it. The only good thing I can say about these stimulus checks is at least some of them went to Main Street, but too many of them went to the corporations. corporations. I mean, um, absolutely. You know, I, I got a, I got a stimulus check of sorts. My income meant that it was going to be significantly less than what the, the max would be. Yes. On the flip side, I have available available to me the payroll protection uh, loans that, that are out there. But yeah. a lot of people don't have those. 1200 bucks against against the, the, the tens of thousands they hand out for that purpose. 
Oh, yeah. it, it's, it's, and, and then I got a letter from Donald Trump yesterday telling me that it's signed by him congratulating me on receiving what stimulus I did receive. And wow. it was signed by him, and it was mailed out by the IRS. And I'm wow. thinking, this is a campaign ad that I paid for for a candidate I wouldn't give a penny to. Yeah, exactly. It's totally ludicrous. Well, this is the thing that gets me, and I and I think in in all the years in all the years that I've been studying and following politics, who would think that a president would have that much gall to sign the checks, have the checks signed first, then have the checks mm-hmm. sent out, then have the thank you letter sent out right behind that? If that ain't campaigning, my name ain't Murray Riley. What else do mm-hmm. what else do you call that bill other than you 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 campaigning to a constituency that is unemployed at the moment you you want people to think that you have your best interests for them when you know that's that's not the case in 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 certain areas of it at least uh, he did say he wants to keep the meat packing plants open they want he wants to mm-hmm. stay open and did uh, it says the Defense Production Act is to force the meat process, processing plants operated by Tyson Foods and other major suppliers to stay open. Well, Even well, there's a question. Does he have Why would I want those folks who work in close proximity to each other to continue to work at a meat plant, folks? Just, just be honest. It says here the president executive order hands oversight powers to the Department of Agriculture to determine the proper nationwide priorities and allocation of all materials and services and facilities necessary to ensure a continued supply of meat and poultry, which I live in the chicken state too. South Carolina is the chicken state. So that could be legally challenged. How how do you feel? Because (laughs) if if if, are they concerned about the food supply? You hear the you hear the rumblings of people talk about the food food supply dwindled some because of the coronavirus. You hear of milk being dumped in Wisconsin. You hear of farm workers working in fields and and dumping vegetables and things like that. So how do you guys feel? Like this to me is this is the this is the part where when you don't have a plan. Now you see what happens when you don't have a plan, and and you I don't can't. Think he has the authority to make. It's not just that. In every sense of the word, guys, this was this was probably the biggest failure that a president can have, and that's having a plan that didn't come together at all. Maybe on maybe with talking points for other people to say, yeah, he's doing a great job, but that ain't the case. It's all fluffed to us. We see it. We see it every day that this is not a plan that's effective. You can tell. You can tell. Um, you're going to forcibly keep these meat plans open. Um, you're going to make sure that these folks are going to continue to work in a pandemic. I am very concerned for the welfare of all the workers and the management there, too, because they're going to have to show up to work as well to ensure that their workers are being taken care of. So how do you feel, Michael? I hear you I hear you back there. What, what What's running through your mind right now? Well, um, just to answer your question, first of all, this can be legally challenged because, first off, as you said, they, they didn't have a plan. Yes, you've got to come up with a plan, but you also got to make sure that plan is compliant with the laws and the, even the Constitution of the United States, that workers do have constitutional rights, federal civil rights, 
And when you are subjecting people to work in these kind of conditions, there are laws in place protecting the employees and even the management of supervisors since they are employees of the employers as well, that they're supposed to be entitled and protected to work in a hostile, free environment, a safe working environment. What Trump is implying here does not befit either of those. So that's why if you get this to an actual judge, not some BS judge that he wants to put on the benches just to rule solely in his favor and the, hell, the heck with the Constitution, the heck with the laws, the heck with the um, people's rights. No, a duty-bound, legally compliant judge that will say to Trump, as we have seen in past cases, no, you cannot do this. Your executive order is null and void. That's what we need right there. Now, now, we also need to keep in mind that at the same time as we discussed before, he's still inciting people to get out and liberate. He's still forcing governors to open up the states and get back the economy and all that stuff. And very Governor very said, prematurely in my mind. Very prematurely in my very mind. Very prematurely. Very prematurely. But Governor Cuomo said, you got to have testing. you got to make sure that everything is safe first, and then we can say green and go, because what's going to happen is that the premature reopening, if you want to call it that, is going to put us right back to square one and make things even worse. And that's what people don't realize when when the state governments and when other ethical leaders are saying, we're all in this together, that's what this means. We're all in this together. And the people would just stop, would stop following the falsehoods of this administration Stop following their defiance verbatim of their rhetoric and their tweets and just start focusing on common sense. We can get through this sooner Hard than what people are making it difficult. Hard to find in that group of folks when you said the C word, common sense. Hard to find. I know that. Hard I know find. that. I'm just... I'm just being reasonable here that says, in reality speaking, I don't want to anymore. I don't want to anymore, my friends, because these folks are showing up at capital capital buildings with guns and protest signs yep. and everything. Yep. And it, 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 it's it's almost as if they've already drinking the Clorox and it hadn't hit those vital <laughs> organs yet. <laughs> and it's just it's absolutely maddening watching these individuals who are who have every bit of lost their mind because their president says it's okay you can you can you can liberate michigan you can liberate virginia you can liberate you can liberate all these places because this is this is not good it's not good for the economy he says he says that a lot and you know what my answer to them is you know what my answer to them is i sell them don't blame us. Don't blame the Democrats. Don't blame Governor Cuomo. And sure as I don't blame Barack Obama for this mess that we're in and the fact that it's taking so long. No, blame yourselves now. You, because you don't want to be compliant in all this, 
You are prolonging the process. You are prolonging the experts from finding solutions and creating a bigger problem because you're listening to dumb and dumber that is in <laughs> D.C. who don't have the – who can't even follow simple guidelines of visiting a hospital and putting a freaking mask on. Nobody well, needs to see your stinking nose and mouth. You well, know? thanks, thanks for doing my reading for me. When they, Murray, when they do these things, they prolong progress and they make things worse. So uh, you're well, making it worse well, for ourselves and making it worse for us. Well, this is this is this typical of of them doing doing an election year. This is how they're going to be. We're going to have to contend with these guys. And thanks for doing the leading for me. Pence ignores the Mayo Clinic's mandatory mask policy. Vice President Mike Pence opted not to wear a face mask during his visit to the Mayo Clinic, folks. Campus and that Mayo Clinic says that it's Minnesota. A yes, it says bucking all the organization's mandatory masking policy amid the pandemic. A video showed Pence, whose face was fully exposed, surrounded by mass staff members and mass patients while touring the clinic. It wasn't immediately clear whether the patient was infected with the coronavirus. Uh, the Mayo Clinic informed Pence of wearing a mask during during his visit. Uh, the vice president said that he's been uh, being taken care of very well. He thought it wasn't necessary to wear a mask. Bill, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, 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 no excuse. <laughs> I, I, don't, I got measures some of common sense. <laughs> I got some words for you. You ready? Slow and slow, slow and slower. Okay, slow and slower for a lot of reasons, guys. Come on, come on. Okay, we're talking about the Mayo Clinic. We're talking about one of the most elite medical facilities in the in the country. And you are a vice president, folks. This is a vice president who shows up to the Mayo Clinic with all these medical professionals who are wearing masks because of a pandemic. And he decides to stroll in there and says, hey, everybody, I just don't understand it. I, I, I just do not understand common common sense. Don't forget, Murray, 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 don't forget, not just, I'm sorry, Bill, don't forget, not just vice president, but supposedly the head star of this coronavirus pandemic commission now, or whatever the devil Trump set up, that's well, supposed to be the leader of this, the appointed leader. He's it's, 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 it's worse. It's worse, Michael. It's worse. The man said I know. he didn't wear a mask. He didn't wear a mask because he wanted to look the other individuals in the eye, which indicates to me he does not know how to wear a mask. It's not a blindfold. Uh, it's ah. Totally. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you talked about common sense, and this Trump administration and everybody associated with it is uncommonly nonsensical. They, they, they are they are the damn fools. They have no clue. The the uh, imposition of this Defense Act is to remove liability from the employer for what yeah. might befall an employee uh, while working under that mandate. I'm not sure he has the ability to order this, but he's also put these people at danger. Now, I am worried about an interruption in the supply chain, but and there's no excuse for it. We have plenty. We we, we should have. When I was a kid, we had go, we had government cheese, and it was the best cheese in the world. We should still have that. 
but, we but should. They, they think that's uh, they, th they think that's contrary to freedom. Um, yeah. Yes. But, but ultimately, um, we we have we have these protests because Trump first said, "I have the power to open or close," and then he was told he did not, and then he said, "I will let the governors decide," and then he said, "Liberate Michigan, Kentucky, etc." And Betsy DeVos and her family and some gun nuts out there who think they're going to shoot the virus worked to gin up what was really kind of a, a lame effort in these state capitals to intimidate governors. It, it wasn't really successful. Here in my home state here of Kentucky, we had the same damn fools in, in, uh, in uh, Frankfurt, Kentucky, not Germany, Frankfurt, Kentucky, Kentucky and they were – uh, doing the same thing, and they and they got they didn't get the reaction from the populace they thought they would. They were considered fools, and they still are. And, mm -hmm. and we've got a governor here, uh, Governor Bashir, who has done excellent in response to what's going on, and he was praised by Cuomo the other day. But we, yes. we're, we're still seeing deaths rise at two thousand to three thousand a day. We're still seeing cases rise at at about uh, ten to thirty thousand a day. We're at 1.06 million cases. Yesterday is 1.02. So that's that's, that's 40,000 cases right there in one oh, yeah. day. This oh, yeah. ain't over. And the fat lady uh, has not sung. And I'm not talking about my ex-wife. I mean, the fat lady has not sung here. And, and it's just a matter of time before we pay a price. We've got 61,342 dead people yes. in about 60 days which is yeah. about 3,000 more than died during Vietnam. And if exactly. we keep going at the pace we're going, 60,000 was Trump's best-case scenario. If we keep going at 30,000 a month, we're looking at about 300,000 dead people by the end of the year. And we've yes. got Ben Shapiro, a guy who raised the hell about death panels during Obamacare, and it was so far, so against death panels during the Obamacare era, and, and raised that canard. But today he said, you know, somebody who's 81, they've lived a full life. You know, let them take their yeah. chances. Does, well, you know, I've got to work for that, but I can't say that. I guess I could run a podcast, but I won't say it. Or I won't say the word. I know Absolutely. the words. Dad, dad, was in, dad was in the Navy. Okay. Mm, okay. Absolutely deplorable folks where folks are thinking. And that's you. where you get somebody like yours truly that tell these Nickum poop, don't you say another doggone thing to me about Roe v. Wade and the importance of preserving life. You are not entitled to a lecture me or anybody regarding that matter since we're the ones that A, are more pro-life than you are, B, have more respect for women and people's lives in general, and C, you're just a bunch of nincompoop, godforsaken hypocrites. <laughs> well, um, I have a question, and because because the reason why I'm asking of, of you guys is because there are 28 Republican governors in the country. Um, the areas that are opening up are in Republican hell states. How do you guys feel about the direction these governors are taking from the administration to open, especially what happened with Kemp in Georgia? Okay, folks, well, thought, thought folks thought Kemp 
went a little too far. Some folks say he went absolutely bananas by just opening up like there was nothing wrong altogether. How do you guys feel? Michael, I'm going to start with you, Bill. I want you to come back and talk to me. 28 governors, they all are Republican governors. Um, um, a couple of these governors are in the Rust Belt states who are leaning blue, purple, looking at numbers. We'll talk about that in a second. Michael, what's your thoughts? Well, to begin with, Kemp lost the opportunity to even get a, even a fraction of redemption when Trump blasted him for opening up too soon. That was Kemp's time and opportunity to <laughs> say publicly, wait a minute, Mr. Trump, this is what you wanted. This is what you told yeah. us, told me and the other governors to do. And then now you want to turn around and play this flip-flop nonsense? You think the American people are stupid? He should have saved himself right there, but then the fact that he didn't, so he had no business being Georgia governor, and we wouldn't have this kind of garbage if he didn't steal the election and Stacey Abrams was the rightful governor of Georgia. And then now you have all these other governors that are following what Trump is saying. I mean, Trump is absolutely peeing and pooping on the Constitution. I don't mean to be that graphic, but we're dealing with a very graphic individual that has no regard whatsoever for the rule of law or the Constitution, things that he took an oath to do, but that obviously that oath was fake too, wasn't it? And so when these Republican governors now are in hook, line, and sink and rank and file behind Trump, who only wants to um, put profits over people, no matter how many people he kills, people like you, me, Bill, and a majority of our listeners, we know better. We got common sense. We know how to play it safe. But then when you got a cult following, a <laughs> cult following that doesn't think, and he, and Trump thinks he's just going to turn around and have us Democrats kick the bucket, the way I see it, I'm not wishing it, but it looks like his own cult may be the ones that are kicking the bucket, and they don't know, how do I get here to begin with? They're well, the ones that may be well, well, you can, You're going to have to think about some things, Michael. I'm waiting for Bill to tell me, and then I'll come back with my response. But one thing I will say, I like what you're saying. Um, Brian Kemp didn't backtrack. He accepted the fact that he opened up the state of Georgia. And Trump came back and tried to walk it back and say, oh, no, I didn't tell him to go ahead and do it. Well, basically, Mr. President, yes, you did. You told you told a governor to open up a state. And I just think those those guys operate with so much ineptability. Hmm, That's a big word to use tonight. But it happens with them a lot. And they just feel like, okay. It, I, I got to follow the Pied Piper. If I don't, I'm going to lose my base if I don't follow the Pied Piper in this. Speaking of the Pied Piper, how about the Pied Piper got Ron DeSantis, the Florida, uh, the governor of Florida, to come to the White House? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. We'll talk about what Murray's, all Murray's mind in a second. Bill, what's your thoughts? What's your thoughts on this? Well, Michael brought up an analogy of pooping and peeing in a time of toilet paper shortage. That concerns me. 
Um, but uh, but I, I, think I need that, to be uh, that graphic. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh no, you okay? No, I, I you, I, I, don't apologize. Okay. It's, okay. it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I, I, I'm, totally... I'm, ho- I'm hoarding the toilet paper, my friend. Don't you worry. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I got a few boxes uh, box too. So. Yeah. Trump basically pushed Kemp to do what he's doing and then made the comments he did to distance himself from the potential disaster. So he can say when, not if, I think, when. It goes to hell in Georgia and Florida. He's saying, well, I, I wasn't for that. I thought it was a bad idea. I, I don't like what Mr. Kemp is doing or something like he, he said. He is President Weasel. You know, that's what it comes down to. I mean, we, we can't uh, – they're, they're really pushing their luck. These, these governors like uh, Kemp and, and DeSantis opening the beaches, was it not less, about 30 days ago they were criticizing people for attending spring break and bringing back – the mm-hmm. coronavirus to their homes just 30 exactly. days ago. That's not That's true. We have had a steady rise in cases, a steady rise in deaths, and there's no indication of that, that it's, that it's uh, receding. It's still growing. Every day it's growing at the rate of about 2,500 deaths and about twenty to 40,000 cases every day. And if you do the math just using the known cases, Against the known deaths, the mortality rate is about 4.5%. So keep going. Because when oh, the yeah. cases hit 2 million, it'll be 90,000 people. And when it hits exactly. 3 million, it'll be 135,000 people. And when it hits uh, uh, 4 million, it'll be 160 million people. I, didn't, I mean, I've done the math right. But, uh, but the point is, it is going to continue to grow. At 4.5% mortality rate, my friends, is a high rate of mortality, and this ain't the flu. They keep saying no. that crap. This ain't the flu. Well, they're saying no, people are dying. People always die every day, except the, the, the death count is incre- is 20%, 20-25% above what it normally is in a given year in every location. So the death counts are not necessarily attributed to coronavirus, but that the death counts increasing 20 to 25% and the time of coronavirus is a good indication it is coronavirus. Or in the case of Donald Trump, it is moron virus. I'm glad you said that, um, Bill, because we need to remind everybody also, since they want to um, keep associating coronavirus with the flu and saying it's like the flu or that people die every day, uh, if you've ever seen a death certificate, on a death certificate, one of the lines is, cause of death. If people just die every day and all that stuff, then you would just have on a death certificate the person's name and the date they died and the story. No. They have on their cause of death. That's there for a reason, ladies and gentlemen. So once again, Mr. Trump, Mr. Pence, and all you GOPs, eh, you're wrong and you lose again. Well, well, it's just how it goes sometimes, guys. It's just how it goes. We want to talk a little bit about the Democrats think Republicans oppose the stay-at-home orders. Most don't. It says, in a new HuffPost YouGov survey, 82% of Democrats and 69% of Republicans say that it's the right decision for state governments to tell residents to stay at home unless they have essential reasons to go out 
the polls suggest Republicans may have largely turned out Trump's inflammatory messaging, while Democrats believe Trump and his party are itching to open the country. Most Republicans say they see support for continued coronavirus restrictions as the mainstream view of the GOP. Well, guys, what do you think about this? What do you think? I, 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 we see we see tons of protesting. We had a little protesting here in, in South Carolina up at the state capitol in Columbia. And folks were surprised that they didn't think this thing was going to happen. There's a lot of Trump supporters here in South Carolina. I'm not surprised at all. Guys, what are your thoughts? Michael? Well, this just this just drowning me as to, you know, people just losing, just losing based on reality here. Losing based on reality and the importance of the social distancing. First off, nobody's even talking about looking into how this began to be, um, begin with. If you remember a few weeks ago, I raised that issue as to what caused this to begin with because then we want to find solutions. We're still hoping for a vaccine, which may be in the worst um, in a matter of months, you know, let's just cross our fingers, hope and pray for that. But as Com- Governor Cuomo said, we've got to deal with facts, no speculation, no joking whatsoever, because that's all Trump's been doing is joking and sarcasm, which I got a comment on that um, in a moment. You know, this is serious stuff here, and I, for one, find it absolutely reprehensible it irritates me to oblivion when you've got people dying on both sides of the political spectrum, and he wants to make like he's um, joking and he's giving sarcasm. I don't want to hear that nonsense because that's the same lame excuse he uses every single time. He makes a very inappropriate, controversial statement. We are in a serious time. This is not the time to be joking. And if you were being sarcastic, the average person would have made that disclaimer no more than 24 seconds after making such a remark. You don't wait till well over 24 hours afterwards, but then by then, damage already done. And then you're thinking, oh, well, too bad, so sad, bye-bye. I was just being sarcastic. You can't do anything to me. Yeah, you want to bet? <laughs> Well, this is how it's going, and 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 with the numbers, these numbers don't surprise me. Eighty-two percent of us who believe that that we need to stay sheltered in place to, to get these numbers down and, and get this right. I am following Dr. Fauci, and uh, he's giving out the best advice that he can give with all the constraint that's around him. Absolutely. Bill, how, do feel, how do you feel about Dr. Fauci being tethered to the president in such a manner where he can't speak somewhat the truth? Yeah, he he tries very desperately to to speak, but the president keeps him shielded. So how do you feel about that? Oh, well, he tries very hard, but and I wish he had more courage. He has more courage than Dr. Burks. All right. And yes. I want the science. I don't want I don't want Trump's hunch. I don't want his disinfectant or his snake oil medication, hydrochloroquine. I think it's called. That's um, what it's called. Waiting for a miracle. I'm not waiting for. Uh, 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 some sort of light to be shoved up another area. Uh, it, it's <laughs> I want Fauci to tell the truth and bring it forward. And he's already said it ain't going back to normal this year. 
There's going to have to be great changes. There's going to have to be social distancing. And here's the deal, guys. I'm 10 feet tall and bulletproof, okay? But I'm worried about my 83-year-old mother who's not. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm worried about my loved ones. I'm worried about my 7-year-old daughter, okay? Yeah. And, and, yeah. That, and that's it. Um, and, and, and Trump's not. No, he isn't. Trump's, wor- Trump's worried about being elected. That's why he ignored two months of presidential daily briefings telling him it was coming, okay? That's why he ignored the memo that this clown Navarro, who's nothing but a sucker fan, um, put forward saying it's going to be bad, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he, he ignored it because he was worried about his political future. Trump is and going to be remembered by me, particularly as the worst president in history and the stupidest president in history. <laughs> yes. and, and I don't think he's got any close competitors. No, you don't. I thought George W. Bush was horrible. No. And I, and I, said, back, I no. said back then, without it even seeing dumbass Donnie on the horizon, that if we ever have someone worse, this nation may be done. And look at us now, guys. We yeah, we have, a, we, we have a projected deficit this year. It was already to be over a trillion dollars because of the stupidity of Donald Trump. They yeah. projected at $3.7 trillion. The GDP yeah. fell to the lowest level in years before the shutdown. Yep. Donald Trump's policy added $4.1 trillion to the national debt. And we've yet to calculate the cost of this shutdown because – Deficits aren't national debt. We'll see how that plays in. And mm-hmm. and we're, we're looking at a situation where uh, you, know, you might appreciate your $1,200 check if that's how much you got. But yeah. remember the Weimar Republic in Germany just before the rise of the Nazis when people needed to have a wheelbarrow to haul the currency necessary to buy one loaf of bread. Watch mm-hmm. for devaluation of currency. And certainly watch for the broken supply chains because this nation, we in this nation, have for all my life anyway, and and actually uh, historically looking at my my predecessors, our predecessors, we have watched disaster, famine, drought, starvation, and wars occur elsewhere. We've watched that occur in World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Biafra, Somalia, in Bosnia whether it be man-made or nature, and the starvation and the deprivation that goes with it, and we have not suffered it. And my friends, we are way overdue to suffer it. And oh, it yeah. It can happen here. It's on our doorstep. You know something, just... Bill? But this, this, is what I want, something? I want, this is what I want to say, Michael, before you come back. Um, mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the things that, that, that disturbs me even more nowadays is – the the manner in which Republicans think uh, so narrowly when it comes to the world, I think um, they put a emphasis on finance and wealth and the health of the country far as economic power versus people power and, and invest in people. Um, one thing that I look at all the time is the numbers and the numbers tend to say that Donald could lose the election in a landslide without without even without much effort from those folks who really don't vote. But my concern is, 
is that the numbers also are premature to some degree because people tend to think that, well, I have time to make up my mind. Well, if this time hasn't made up your mind, let me let me just inform you that you, now's the time to make up your mind because this this situation is almost at a cataclysmic position now where we may not make it back to some sort of normalcy for a year or so because of the ineptitude of a president because he doesn't want to listen to the medical professionals tell him what he needs to do for the health of the nation. He decides to ram things through, talk down to people, make people feel inappreciated, and everything else under the sun. But you had, Ron, you had DeSantis up there with you, and you were holding the sign like you were a cheerleader for Ron DeSantis. And, and it's just, it, it's, it's amazing to me, they are thinking campaigning while people are dying around them 24 seven. I just had a visit today from my father. He came he came by today and 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 mask and everything. And and we just had a we just had a conversation. Well, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing good. What do you think? Uh the bottom is out. That's what I think. He said, "Oh, you just now figured it out too, huh?" I said, "Dad, I, I've never I never thought in a lifetime that we would have somebody who was so inept to think for the goodwill of people." I just don't believe it. I don't want to believe that. Well, he said, son, it's time for you to start believing. If you wasn't believing before, you believe it now, don't you? Of course I do. Of course I did. Of course I do understand the situation. But it's it's the efforts of Republicans who think people do not want to move out of their spaces. They want to keep us boxed in so much. I'm in South Carolina, a red state, red state, red state. Uh, I, I'm not proud to say a a state on the verge of being purple because it's not. It, I have friends all over the place that I talk to on a daily sometime. They always talk about the, the efforts to open, the efforts to move forward, the efforts to change, the efforts to keep people going and not stopping. But if you dead, you stopped. And, I, and that's what I tell folks all the time. If you dead, you stopped. You can't go anywhere once you're dead. So how do, how do we... Uh -huh get people to understand these parameters are for life saving purposes folks it's not it's not to keep you sheltered in like a prison like i've heard these protesters say this feels like prison this this, this we want our liberty don't tread on me oh god of oh mine okay this this is not 1865 folks we are in the 21st century and people don't they just don't want to get it here. They don't want to get it here until somebody dies in their family, and then they'll finally get it, I think. And and and, and I'm willing to say, even when someone, uh, some of their loved ones die, they still won't get it. They'll still have that same mindset, which is horrible. Go ahead with your comment, Michael. I'm kind of, I'm kind of glad that Bill brought up the fact that Trump hasn't read the PDB for two months. Bill, you may have opened up a major barrel of worms right there because oh. now you would have to put a real big question in there that if Trump hasn't read the PDB for two months, he's been in office 
undeservingly, I may add, for four years now. Has he read any PDD during his time in office? That's what I I believe. I'm just raising that question for the record and for our fellow listeners and voters to put into their notebook for when comes 2020 time to vote. And that leads to the next point I was going to make. Everybody that's been part of this podcast, be it us panelists and you fellow, um, our dear listeners, you will recall some time ago where I gave a very heated um, debate or argument to push for impeachment and removal of Trump because I said the guy is dangerous and he is costing thousands and thousands of innocent lives. And, of course, we had a, a sweeping number of gun massacres due to his incitement of such gun violence, the hate, and the rhetoric coming from him from his ugly mouth to his tweets. Yes. And there are those who said the opposite, no, don't impeach him because it's going to deprive the people's rights. Let us vote him out in November 2020. Well, I said in rebuttal, I said in rebuttal, and you will remember, Murray, a lot can happen between now and then at the cost of more human lives. Look at where we're at now. Look at where we're at now, which is five months before November 2020. I'm scared to think of what could happen between now and then, even though we're closer now than we we were then. And those that said, oh, let's vote him out in 2020, look at all the number of casualties we've had from this pandemic added to the gun violence in the past. Yes. I just have a strong suspicion, Murray, that amongst the dead now are those that said, I'd rather vote him out in 2020. They're no longer here, as you pointed out. They've stopped. They're gone, they're unfortunately. Gone. We 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 lose. So let voices. that sink in, ladies and gentlemen. At when lose. Michael S. Wilberkin is speaking, as well as Murray Riley and Bill Atkins, we're speaking with facts and we're speaking with logic and reason. There is a reason that we're putting forth this stuff because we're seeing it and we're observing it with a third eye, listening with a third ear and thinking with a second brain, weighing the options, both sides of the equation. And we Thank present you. it to you. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Uh, you. You kind of bringing me back into my next part of the segment. And we want to talk about politics here a little more. And folks, you're listening to the Community Call podcast with, with myself and Michael and Bill tonight. And uh, we hope that you're doing well wherever you are across America and across the world. To all of you, we are our thoughts are with you during this time right here. Uh, we want to talk about a situation, and, and we've been on uh, uh, a, a mission, so to speak, to talk about Joe Biden and this accusation. Um, if you haven't had a chance to follow the Facebook group pages, Skyshot Radio Podcast, or Point of Concern, we've talked about this accusation that was made by, by Tara Reid, who has said that she was sexually assaulted by Joe Biden. Um, The Biden camp has denied this. There will be some response at a 
at, at a time when they deem necessary. Um, what it says here, potential Biden BP candidate silent on Tara Reid's allegation, an allegation of sexual assault against Joe Biden, the, presumption, the presumptive Democratic uh, nominee, uh, gained new credibility with a report that the former neighbor of accuser Tara Reid said that Reid confided in her about the alleged 1993 assault in 1995 or 96. Um, um, they contacted nine people on Biden's rumored vice president shortlist. Only Stacey Abrams responded. Michael, you might be on to something. Guys, I have been in a investigative mode for at least the last four days or so. Um, I will probably come out with my findings very soon. Uh, we're in the middle of writing it now, trying to give, give, validity to why we think this is manufactured by voices who are not in line with the party at the moment. Um, we don't want to call out names because we want the report to say so. Um, um, we also want everyone to know that we have been investigating this once we heard the news. Um, we have uh, checked out many, many, many articles and many, many responses from people. Um, I have sources that worked in the Obama-Biden campaign that I spoke to. Um, they have given some of the information to me, very not enough information to uh, 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 sway anybody's opinions, but enough to make you think um, in, in that aspect. Uh, one thing I will say when it comes to accusations like these, when we in the middle of a pandemic and we needing a president, it doesn't look good on either side of this, the victim or the person that's being accused and that person being Joe Biden. So that being said, we're going to ask Michael and Bill, how do you feel about this accusation? This accusation is being floated everywhere, especially throughout media, TV, radio, podcasts. Everybody is talking about this. Um, there's, a, there's a side of our party, the extreme progressive party. I'm not talking about progressives in the manner that most folks think. There are extremist elements of the progressive party who see Biden as a corporate puppet, not someone that they want to have the mantle of president, uh, um, which I feel undermines the idea of an election. It undermines the idea of what people think of a person because you've already made up your mind. You've already made a decision. You've already aired it to everyone without giving jurisprudence to everyone else, I think. And that takes away from us having the uh, opportunity to either defend or condemn the action. And so that's where we are with this. Bill, I want, you're my legal eagle. These cases do come up between men and women. How do you feel? I'm going to be consistent. I thought that, and I didn't like Kavanaugh because I thought he lied about, quote, unquote, his sexual activity, virginity, and his beer drinking in high school. But the, uh, Ford was her name. 
I didn't believe her either because you don't wait decades. Same with this woman here. You don't wait decades until they're about to attain high office and then come forward and say this happened. Mm-hmm. Waiting decades is a problem. I mean, a year ago, this Tara Reid said that Biden touched her neck and shoulders without permission. And today it's a sexual assault. You know, that, that's a, that, the stories get better. But attorneys love witnesses like that because you make them look stupid. She looks stupid here. But two, I do so many of these types of hearings. The, the worst are domestic violence hearings. You know, I do not believe every woman. Make your case. Prove it. In Kentucky, the burden of proof is a preponderance of the evidence, a 51% burden, okay? Basically, it says the judge finds you credible or doesn't find you credible. You don't have to have any evidence. God, she seems sincere. We also have a situation where judges are afraid to give someone a domestic violence order because what if this man goes out or this woman goes out and does something, you know? Exactly. Exactly. I, I, I think I think the case has to be made. And you're going to try it? You're going to try it in the pages of World Nut Daily or, or Newsmax or Rush Limbaugh? Give me a break. Fox News, Fox Tard News, no thank you. I, I, I really have a, a distinct problem with people saying this one's uh, allegations are based upon an event that happened in 1993. Well, you know, that means 1994, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, and 2000, and every year since, since have passed, and now she comes forward with this BS? I'm sorry. I got no, I, you know, and I, and I felt the same way about, uh, uh, I forgot her name, Ford was her last name. You know, where you been? And I, yeah. I, you, you mean this happened in high school, and you didn't say it? A couple of things. It happened yeah. in high school, you know. My God, I went to high school. It was a rock and roll period. But yeah. The situation is, it's, you, you are not credible. You don't come forward 27 years later or 40 years later with this kind of garbage and expect to be met with anything other than partisan enthusiasm. All those people that said that Ms. Ford was crazy and lying are now saying believe all women. Flip side, let's say believe all women are saying Reed is crazy. I will say, you can look me up, man. I was consistent. I was, I, I, I lost, I didn't really care whether Kavanaugh was con, uh, confirmed or not, but I really lost all uh, faith in him when he said, one, he was a virgin. How many high schools are virgins? I, I, I raised my hand as not. And two, how many high schoolers raised their hand and say they didn't get into beer? Oh, yeah. I, again, I, oh, again, yeah. Um, enthusiastically participated in both those sports yeah we all have we all have we all have uh uh michael well, I'm, I'm good I'm, i was feeling bad there <laughs> <laughs> uh, bill before you go one of the things i want to ask you when these cases do come up and it's been a 15-year period does mm-hmm. how does the law look at this situation there is there any kind of uh, uh well you don't have you don't have the means of uh, like a murder case where you know it gets thrown out because it's been 30 years and they didn't find anybody who committed the murder and and so this person is, is exonerated. Now you can you're gonna leave you can get out of jail. But a situation like this, how how what what is the legal approach to it? Well, I mean, if it was a crime, a misdemeanor has a statute of limitations in Kentucky of two years. If it was a felony, in some states there are statutes of limitations as to felonies, but not in Kentucky. If you committed it in 2001 or 
1901. It's still a felony in 2020. Um, two, there are civil remedies, okay? Mm-hmm. You can sue. Mm-hmm. Boy, she can sue. Go ahead, baby. Light it up. You know why people do this in the newspapers and don't sue? Because if you bring a lawsuit against a defendant, the defendant then can ask you questions that you must respond to. Okay? You've got to respond to interrogatories and requests for production of documents. Wow. You are forced to by the court in a civil matter. Why isn't she, you know, her remedy for 27 years, if this has happened, if it wasn't a crime, she has 27 years of opportunity to file a lawsuit saying, you injured me in some way. I want mm-hmm. something in return, likely money. Well, in this case, she's trying to harm him politically. You know, what's her political bent? Is she is she a Trump Republican, which is a admission of being an idiot, or a, a, a Republican, which is an admission of being an idiot? Um, I, I, you know, uh, one of the things that it, we, it's, it's so frustrating. One of the things with me, Bill, is that this thing decided to come out because of some of the extreme voices on the progressive side too. These progressive voices are situated in the Me Too movement as well. And they they are the ones who kind of push this thing forward to some degree, I think. Um, Me, Me uh, Too is McCarthyism. Me Too is McCarthyism. Okay? Me Too, you're guilty? McCarthyism, you're a communist? No, sir. Yeah. Dalton Trumbo's spending his grave. So, I, I, I would think because he sees, he sees people uh, victimized by Me Too. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's even more detrimental to find out that these extremist voices are either progressive voices, because if you look at progressive feeds, the ones who are on the fence about Joe Biden, they all are saying they don't want to have anything to do, do with Joe Biden. They stand behind Tara Reid and so on and so on and so forth. We do have we do have some information that I have received from several people that I know closely. And I, I've, I've, I've looked at this information. And uh, we, we, I can. Sh- uh, once we get everything together, well, we're going to talk about this some more. Michael, what are your thoughts yeah. on this? We've had a long conversation. Um, um, you were very concerned because you thought you, uh, I had fell off the planet <laughs> there, but I was doing a lot of homework trying to get an understanding of the situation. How do you feel oh, about yeah. this? Uh, this is very complex. Yes, indeed. But first off, before I or anybody else forget, we need to have a disclaimer for our listeners that, yes, we said Tara Reed, that is R-E-A-D-E. It's not to be confused with the Tara Reed, R-E-I-D, who is a movie actress best known in the American Pie movie saga. So these are two totally different people. So if anyone was confused thinking that we were talking about Tara Reed, the actress. Um, our apologies, but just to clarify, this is not the movie actress, R-E-I-D. This is a totally different person, R-E-A-D-E, that we're discussing here. All right? Um, and going back to what Bill was saying about the Brett Kavanaugh and uh, Dr. Ford's um, testimony, you know, it's interesting that the right-wingers want to bring up the comparisons between this and Brett Kavanaugh, which I don't know what I pretty much know why they did this. I'll explain that in a moment. But 
I was inclined to believe Dr. Ford, given the um, given the chain of events and the the narration that she gave to the best of her ability and, reco- and recollection, and she did illustrate that this was the kind of school or fraternity that pretty much you were bound to keep quiet or else, and then when you try to speak up, no one was taking you seriously. So we had a problem with um, school administration as well as has been the case with a lot of schools or a lot of colleges. That's something that has to get straightened out. But then as soon as Brett Kavanaugh, after his initial denials of his opening testimony, that you had not only Dr. Ford, but other people contradict his testimony in -hmm. terms of the sex games, in terms of especially the beer drinking. He said he never, ever drank booze. He never, ever drank beer in high school. And then he comes back and saying, I love beer. Yeah, I drank some. (laughs) So you just change your story. And as usual, in any court of law, you lie about one aspect of your testimony, you could be disbelieving your entire testimony, as judges often have said. He should have been disqualified right from the get-go. But it's ironic that even in today's New York Daily News, Voice of the People, the right-wingers are saying, how come we're not hearing more about this Tara Reid accusation of Joe Biden, and why was it so much um, comparison to Brett Kavanaugh? Instead of comparing to Brett Kavanaugh, they don't want to compare it to Donald Trump because, as Murray said, when the findings, when the report comes out, quite frankly, Tara Reid's accusations is somewhat mirrored to the narrations provided by the women, the multiple women that have complained Mm. against Mr. Trump. So... These right-wingers are trying to craft their arguments and don't want to drag Trump's name into this because they know they're already in hot water with the stuff that Trump has already been exposed on. So they figured to bring up Brett Kavanaugh as a maybe a little, um, what's that word, a safety net or something like that. But the whole thing is, is that, to me, the whole thing is really shady when Miss Reed is going to complain about the same things that other women have stated about Joe Biden. And the only thing with Biden, from what we've seen and understand, is that, yes, he was a touchy-feely kind of person, but not having a female um, descendant of his own. You know, he has no daughter, I don't think, no granddaughter. I don't know if he has any nieces, but he's the type of person that's a family man, maybe an overprotective father figure, a grandfather figure, whatever the case may be. The women in question have stated that they felt a bit uncomfortable, understandably so, especially if they had prior bad experiences with men before. But they were stating on the record to secure their credibility that at no time, at no place or way, shape, or form did Biden's actions and his touchy-feely ever escalate into a sexual harassment or a sexual assault. 
and they made it clear like that. This was discussed like perhaps four years ago at the yes. most, and Biden said that I get it, I understand. And there has not been a the problem ever since. Michael, it, it, the light. 20, 27 women have accused Trump, uh, including a 13-year-old, okay? Right. Against, against Biden. 27 women, including Trump's experience as, according to Epstein's brother, Trump was Epstein's wingman, okay? And, and mm-hmm. we're talking about a sexual predator. Donald Trump is a sexual predator. All right? Absolutely. He, 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 he has a let's history not forget. Of, he has a history let's, of let's talk yeah. about his let's, multiple Eastern European brides. Let's talk about Ivanka. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, uh, Marlena. Ivana, is that her name? Uh, let's talk about uh, Melania. Uh, yeah. He yeah. is, you know, he, he, he's that guy in the gym who says to the gym manager, what machine can I use to impress the women? And upon the gym manager looking at him, the gym manager says, I suggest the ATM. And let's not forget when he was head of the uh, Miss Universe organization before the board um, scrapped his butt, him barging into women's um, dressing rooms, especially when they were butt naked, changing to in and out of their swimsuits. He did with the Miss Universe contestants. He did with the Miss USA test contestants. And... Yes, i got to say this, and you're hearing it from Michael once again, the Miss Teen USA contestants, contestants that were as young as 15 or 16 years old, up to age 18, I don't even know if they 19. But, yes, they were subjected by having themselves exposed, and they were, they were not even decent. They were not even, de- they were not even decent. They never expected the guy to just barge in. And he's like, I own Miss Universe. I can do what I want. That's, well, for, the, that's the misogyny of it. So well, for, no. These right-wingers don't want to talk about that. They don't want to get into that. They don't want to open up a can of words by mentioning his name. So they go to Brett Kavanaugh and try to make the comparison between that and Biden, which holds no water. Yes. Uh, you can say holds no merit if you want to, because from what I understand, that this this situation is going to go away. I hope it does. Uh, I think what we have here. I can is, tell you this. I'm sorry, Murray. I can confirm to you right now when these people in the voice of the people who's writing is a question. Why aren't we seeing this in the mainstream media? The fact of the matter is, is that this was brought up once already. This particular allegation was brought up once already by the mainstream media, and that was talking like months ago. We have not had a follow-up since then. You wonder why. Yeah. Well, you, right. have, you might have said this is still in the works. You're only seeing it in the social media, and some of these yeah. right-wingers try to get cute and repeating and reposting old links that's old news, trying to make it like breaking news. Yeah, well, what from what I'm seeing, it's a lot of that going on with 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 these rapid posts coming from elements that are not that are not conducive to the parties. Um, some of mm-hmm. these are independent voices. These are independent voices who are people who who are not really on board with Biden, but more on board with Bernie. You have other elements that are part of this. Yes, you have you have. 
Republican elements that are part of this already. You can listen to you can listen to um, Red Radio all the time. That's all the talk you hear about uh, Joe Biden and Tara Reid. They are making a they are making a case for 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 disqualification. Um, my thing is is this was a plan hatched a while back. Once Bernie resigned uh, his uh, campaign. We knew that there were going to be elements out there willing to come forward and try to discredit the vice president based on what is going on now with this Tara Reid accusation. I have I have uh, uh, looked into even further into why this accusation has made it to the made it to mainstream media already. In light of what's going on now, um, um, we we've already had uh, these accusations once before. Nothing found it. I'm waiting for the Biden campaign to come out and give a final statement on this, put this thing to rest, and be done with it. And let's let's keep it moving. The problem is you're gonna have you're gonna have those folks on the progressive side of us who are not happy with the fact that Bernie decided to endorse Biden after he resigned his campaign, they're still screaming that he's he's a corporate, he's going to be a corporate president, he's not going to be the president that we desire, so on and so forth. In, in all of the conversations that I've seen on Twitter and every, in every podcast that I've listened to from progressive voices, they are all anti-Biden. So some of this is GOP elements, but a third of it or most of it is coming from progressive voices. Listen, family, progressive family, we calling you to task. I want, I want somebody to tell me what's your reason. Why do you feel this way? Because we, we've, earned, we've earned a decent president for a change. We have a candidate who is worthy of the mantle. In spite of his flaws, he's still worthy of the mantle. But what it's going to take to convince you that it's not going to be the same old, same old uh, again. I, I see this all the time in, in progressive threads on Twitter, uh, on, on, in podcasts. I hear it all the time. Uh, we, I had Michael listen to a couple of progressive podcasts and, and, uh-huh. These voices are not what you think, folks. And the thing that you have to remember is listen with the second ear because it's it, it has third ear. It has third, second, fourth, fifth, however many ears you need to listen. To <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, that's our best minute. <laughs> because this this this, this it, it, it is awful. That these folks are in this mindset, guys, and I've I've sat back and listened to hours of progressive podcasts talk about Joe Biden as if he were a a tried and convicted criminal already. As if he's an enemy. And 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 yeah, and that's and, because the Bernie bots are invested in taking down Biden at any cost, including reelecting devastating Donnie. That was exactly my point. But if it's over, my body. over my dead body. It, 
Well, we ain't. Well, I, hope, I hope we all survive. Over my dead body. We, we, Murray, we're not yeah. going to let that happen if it's of any comfort for anybody. And this should be, I don't want to use the word persuasion, but doggone it, we are striving for truth and justice here. And when Bernie pleaded with his with his um, followers, with he his um, supporters, to start supporting Biden. I mean, first off, this is much earlier than 2016, so you oh. have more time to digest this um, this um, transformation, if you want to call it that. But it's, it's more than that, Michael. But it's it's more than that. But but let me I finish. know that. But but let me finish. I was and, trying to point out that it. I was trying to point out that there's 85% of those Bernie supporters are now yes. supporting Biden. At yes, percent. These are folks out of 50 and over. Foreheads. And so now you guys are going to have to get a, uh, I don't want to use harsh terms, like you have to get a grip, but you know, you got to come to reality. It's Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. Trump, but that does not mean that Bernie Sanders is out of the picture. He can have a very prominent role in a Biden administration as well as all the other contenders. Uh, Remember what yours truly, Michael S. Wilbekin, said when this whole race began. We had as many as 25 Democratic contenders for the nomination for the presidency. I said it. Murray said it. I know Bill said it. We're only going to have one nominee. But I pushed forth and said how beautiful it would be if all 24 other contenders would have some kind of active role in not only the nominee's campaign, but the nominee's cabinet and administration to get this nation back on track and progressing in the right direction. Well, this is the thing too. This is the thing I want to say, and 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 and, and I, I I need to say this because I think for for the audience, and I want to put this disclaimer out here. And the reason why I'm doing this is because uh, a lot of this information is for everyone to look at and make a decision. Um, I've shared a good little bit of the information with with the panel members on the show. Um, and a lot of this information is suspected to me. Bill said bots, Bernie bots. I, I agree there's there's finagling going on in the background. I already know that's happening. I also feel that these voices who are who are not on board with the nominee um, are are young voices. The, the, these are younger people who feel who feel disenfranchised in in some degree bernie gave them a beacon of hope bernie gave that beacon of hope to joe which was the right thing to do um, because we saw in the voting that people were leaning more toward biden than they were bernie and so anybody with a a moment of common sense would say you know what this does make sense. A rational-minded person would say, I think I need to move to the middle or to the left. If you move to the middle, doesn't mean that you are surrendering your principles 
and 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 your theology as a person who's trying to be political. There's nothing wrong with that. But on in in retrospect, we have the worst president in the world now. There is no covering this stuff up. There is nothing that we can do to go backwards. The only thing we can do is go forward. And I want to take everybody with me going forward, progressives, Republicans, independents, Green Party, Purple Party, Blue Party, whatever color you are, we all need to go together in this thing. We have to save the soul of America. Have to save the soul of America. There is no reason in anybody's mind that they can't legitimately vote for Joe Biden. Other than the fact that there's this little issue of a potential accusation made by an individual who has given several statements to several people who kind of uh, uh, not really become and not consistent not being consistent or forthcoming with with their statements at all either and i don't know what else to tell you guys now is the time to make a i goodbye. know one other thing i and know what other thing that you got to add to it murray it's important that people understand this we don't have any choice in this matter either you stay with a detrimental man named donald trump or you move to a man like Joe Biden who has the leadership capability, who has the forth, the forefront of being a former vice president, not one time, but twice vice president. So he has the ability to lead the nation. Donald Trump is proven to all of us that he is totally incapable of being a president at all. It, anything Donald Trump to me now is nothing but entertainment value. He has no respect for the press. He has no respect for people who have a bit more education than he does. He has, he has no kind of compassion for the people that are dying, dying every day of the coronavirus. So to everybody that's thinking or on the fence about Joe Biden, jump over to my side don't jump over there because nothing's over there but the desert trust me only thing that grows in deserts are cactuses and trust me very little water in those cactuses folks very little water trust me i done had a few there's not much water in cactuses if you're going to jump over there in that desert because over here where we are it's milk and honey trust me it's milk and honey over here where we are and you have to you have to understand you can't just you just can't just get out here and make these accusations against a man and it's been 25 years and you're going to say, well, he did it to me and it was bad. Enough. Prove it. Prove it to us. And then, then, then we can answer the question. And to us Democrats, I want to say this too, and then I'll get off my soapbox. To us Democrats, we have to stay faithful to our principles, our understanding of this process. The Republican Party is going to do everything they can to derail Democrats from taking over, taking back the White House. Donald Trump is inspiring, inspiring in, insurrection through his rhetoric from the bully pulpit. We have seen it. Demonstrations at Capitol buildings where there is stay-at-home orders for the, the for the protection 
of states citizens. This is not 1864, folks. Nobody is treading on you. Nobody's treading on you. The thing is, we want to tread and save your life, period. That's what's wrong with this. <sighs> Michael, come on. Yes, Talk to me. I couldn't agree with you more, Marie. Well, one thing you forgot also is that, if I'm not mistaken, everybody on this side of the political spectrum, not on the Trump side, but on this side, where we had the multitude of Democratic contenders, if I'm not mistaken, everyone was on board saying vote blue no matter who, including the Bernie supporters. So now Bernie is out, Biden is the nominee, and Bernie, as I said, had pleaded with everyone to vote with Biden. But you folks were also on board saying to vote blue no matter who. I now hold all of you to task and to making sure to vote blue with the name of Joe Biden now on the ballot, presumptive nominee. And as Murray said, there is no excuse as to why not. And I just given you or uh, stated the further cause that you folks were the ones that declared you will vote blue no matter who. Yeah. So time to live up to those words to not be a Donald Trump. Well, if, if anything, I want to say to all to everyone before we go tonight, and I'm going to give Bill one more last chance to say something here, is that we have 28 Republican governors. We only have 22 Democratic governors. And if you look at this map, I'm looking at my map now. Um, I'm looking at the presidential election map, the 2020 presidential election map, everyone. And you can look at the, the majority of the country is red, okay? You have some states that are that are that are blurred out because, and I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you what states they are: Arizona, Texas, Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, uh, Maine, Pennsylvania, uh, Michigan, and uh, Wisconsin. And so these are these are states that potentially could flip. So, and 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 it's it's in it's in our it's in our effort that we go ahead and turn these other states that are red purple and we need to bring balance to the country by eliminating these 28 republican governors and put democratic governors in these seats because these governors are going to save lives these republican governors are not going to save lives they're going to save their back pocket and it's important that everybody understand that the states that are 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 in jeopardy are our swing states uh, uh arizona texas florida georgia north carolina Pennsylvania, Maine, um, Vermont, and and so forth. Those are our swing states. We have to pay attention. These states can swing back and be blue. If if in my in in the, in the history of 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 being involved in politics, every year we go every every cycle we go through this period where it's always it's always red or it's always blue. Now we have the opportunity to be a tidal wave if. If we do this the right way, Ron DeSantis knows that his state is up for grabs. He's in a state where there's a majority of senior citizens. He does not want the coronavirus in the state of Florida, and it's taking those senior citizens out of here. Okay, 
let's look at the state of Georgia, who has the potential of going blue for for the very first time in a long time. And I will have to contribute those efforts to Stacey Abrams and her organization to get out the vote in 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 the state of Georgia. Now, let's talk about the Rust Belt part. You talk about the Rust Belt up there in the northeastern half of the country, where where you have the potential to change some states and 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 give the give the country back to the blue side. Illinois and Iowa, I think that's Illinois and Iowa are, are blue states. And and you have the rest of those states, Ohio, Indiana, and and West Virginia and Kentucky. All of those states are red. Okay. Pennsylvania is a swing state. New York State is clearly a blue state and 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 it's gonna stay blue because of their governor, who I think deserves an opportunity to be a vice president too. And he does. He deserves an opportunity to be a vice president. So the strategy for us Democrats is to make sure that we understand the, the, the education of swing states and understanding that the electoral college is in very much in play this time around again with these swing states. I want to say congratulations to Beto O'Rourke, who, who's turned Texas gray because he got out to vote when he was a presidential candidate and a Congress when he ran for Congress for the second time. Congratulations for turning Texas gray. It's going to take some work, folks. This is not going to be easy, but I'm not going to die because I done had a conversation with God. And I told him I ain't, I ain't ready to come yet until I get until I can make sure my grandkids have a decent president in that chair. And he said, OK, Murray, and that's what he said. Bill, talk to me. How do you feel about how do you feel about this analysis? Well, I, I think that we have the opportunity to turn this nation blue, that the exposure of Donald Trump and Republicans as being feckless and without substance and basically delivering disaster. We have the opportunity. And, and but we have those red states that you're talking about. I analogize them to, to, to my own. I am in Kentucky, the red state you, you cited. We have people here who hear lies, and they actually know that they are lies. The war on coal is a lie. Mm-hmm. But it's comforting for Trump to say, one, there was a war on coal, and two, that coal might come back. It's total fantasy. You might as well, you know, find a, a tree of unicorn somewhere. It's not happening. Just in Kentucky's situation alone, coal has always been boom and bust. Every boom has been shorter. Every bust has been longer. And we're going to be in the middle of this longest one for quite some time because American oil is about $14 a barrel and Arab oil is about $20 a barrel. When that's the circumstance, nobody's buying Kentucky's coal. Natural gas in 2005 was $15 per million BTU. Right now it's about $1.75. So again, coal ain't coming back. No, sir. And natural gas and and cheap oil have destroyed it. But the lies were so comforting. And there's no excuse for people in Eastern Kentucky for believing those lies. There's no excuse for people in Iowa, Kansas, Oklahoma for believing those lies. Why are they red? Why are they red? I mean, Kentucky, uh, Cuomo pointed this out the other day because, because McConnell said, uh, let's say don't bail out the blue states. The blue states ain't the ones being bailed out. Sure ain't. But New York pays over a dollar per, for, for every, for every uh, tax dollar that 
that that New York gets, they pay over a, a, a dollar back, 100 percent back. Right. Kentucky, however, for every dollar they pay in, they get back two dollars and forty-one cents. Who's yeah. being bailed out here? I mean, you you pull the you pull the financial backing of of mm-hmm. California and New York from the Midwest, and they're Greece. And I ain't talking about the movie. I'm talking about the nation and the financial disaster. Oh yeah. Um, they, they just, it's education. It's 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 stopping the disinformation and lies of Fox News. And yeah. every time a newspaper says that Trump said something false today, Trump said something misleading today. Why don't they say Trump lied today? Exactly. Because that's what he does. Come on, folks. y'all hearing it first coming from the legal eagle y'all hearing it first one thing i'm gonna say and we, we want to we want to make we want to put emphasis on the fact that 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 we have an opportunity to do the right thing and i just think it needs to happen and folks uh you can find this information uh 2020 presidential election map is you can just search it up you can go to all Politico and other other uh media outlets with the 2020 map um uh i don't have the ones with the electoral college numbers on it um i've been trying to find one with the electoral college numbers on it um um we're going to come back to you and give you some further information on on about how the strategy of of winning winning this 2020 presidential race is going to boil down to the swing states let's hope we can get first of all and foremost our thoughts are with everyone who's dealing with the pandemic at this moment. Elections are elections, but we we worry and our concern and our hearts go out to everyone affected by the pandemic, for sure. Uh, uh, we here on this podcast and other podcasts that I listen to, everyone is supporting those the 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 people who work the the night shifts folks who are packing up our groceries the one the stock clerks my son god bless who's a who's a stock clerk at walmart um um those folks who work in hospitals our emergency first responders everybody police fire department ambulance drivers we support everything you guys do if anybody deserves a block party from a nation you guys do you guys deserve a block party from this nation. The, the other thing I want to say in closing is that it's our efforts here on this show to educate you and provoke you into action so that you can understand and ask the, the tough questions. When you are with you and yours, you can ask the questions and that they can point you into the right direction. What I typically do is have these conversations with people all the time. I urge everyone to communicate. We are in shelter in place. There's Zoom conferencing. There's Facebook Messenger. There is so many apparatuses that you can use to communicate with people. So if you need to have a conversation about politics, now it's the time to have that conversation about politics. Because as you can see, our nation is falling apart. And we do we lack the leadership at this moment. And I I I urge everyone to continue to focus their efforts on the information first. Focus your efforts on those who 
are bringing you truth and earnest to you in their reporting. Um, we 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 are a we are a group of people who feel this way every day, and we we will we will go to bat for anybody who's coming to us with the truth. Lies I can't deal with. I have an attorney. I have an I have several attorneys. I got one in Kentucky. If I need him, I could call him. It's just how it goes. It how it goes. <laughs> And, and it's important that we get this thing done. Hey, folks, this is the Community Call podcast. We're on with Michael and Bill, and we want to thank them for contributing to another rousing episode. We've had we've had our moments here tonight, and I just want to thank you guys for being part of the show tonight. To to our first lady, Charlene, she wasn't able to make it to the show tonight. We want to thank her for e- making an effort to get here, and that she had to leave. Uh, we thinking about her and her situation in Virginia, being social worker, going in and out of locations there in Virginia. Um, we thinking about you, Michael, in, in New York City, where the curve is starting to flatten a little bit. Thank God for that. Bill's in Kentucky. We hoping that everything goes well with your family and everybody's doing wonderful. Here in South Carolina, I get to look at tall pine trees every day and see a lot of greenery and blue sky. And and if they if they want to call this God's country, it's God's country where I'm at. And uh, we sure do appreciate these moments while we have the time to enjoy each day as it comes and goes. Folks, again, this is the Community Call Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Murray Riley Jr. We want to thank you for listening tonight. Whatever you do, stay together, stay in love. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Community Call Podcast with host Murray Riley Jr. Join us next time for another rousing episode right here on anchor.fm.